Hello and welcome to the Working Title Podcast, Episode 3. Today I'm interviewing my good friend, director, producer, Emmett Fightfield. I'm excited for everyone to hear this. Um, I hope you enjoy. title podcast today i have are, are you gonna field. use my uh are you gonna use my music as your uh intro i actually was going to edit edit that in but yeah, now cause... uh now uh now this is it oh okay <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, off to a banging start <laughs> in fact uh, guys the music you heard at the beginning of of this podcast is in fact the music he's referencing uh, yes, recorded with me on drums, <laughs> All right, so, and a couple other people playing the the instruments. Uh, now, Emmett, uh, you came out with your uh, first premiere film in 2017, yes. titled Constant Space. Yes, yes I did. Now, uh, what is Constant Space? It's a film. Yes. What kind of film is it? It's a claymation sci-fi action-adventure all right. Um, and total, how many years did you spend working on that project? You mean like from conception to completion or when I shot frame one to when I shot the last frame? From conception to completion. Uh, I started writing it when I was 15, actually. Wow. Conceiving, yep, using the uh, the same uh, typewriter you see in the corner over there. Oh, wow. Yep. Now, why did you choose to write it on a typewriter? Because, well, I distract myself easily when I'm just supposed to stew in my own thoughts. And, you know, with a typewriter, it's you gotta, you gotta go out of your way more to distract yourself than when you can just open another tab on your laptop. <laughs> but, like, when you're editing and you want to change things, it's, it's really a lot more difficult to yeah, do with the you, you have to like rewrite the whole page yeah was there ever times when you made a mistake and you just said screw it i'm just gonna leave it you read the script you know it's full of that <laughs> <laughs> i was just like oh f- 
Fuck it, I'm out of white out. I don't want to have to fucking go out buy white out, redo the page. I'm not really gonna redo the page today, so fuck it. Now it says Oblin. So you started writing it when you were 15. Yes. Uh, the sets and the characters. How long do you think? that took in terms of the percentage of the time it took to make the whole film how much time went into the sets and characters alone <laughs> like just building them yeah um this 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 could depending on how complex they were supposed to be it'd, it'd be a f- you know a few months <laughs> all right uh, total <laughs> Where did you get all of your supplies and your ideas to make the sets? Because a, a lot of them are, are very like made from scratch esque. That's that's because they. Are. <laughs> um, sometimes it would just be based on. Well, usually my supplies was just. Um, in in Monroe here we have some lumber yards and whatnot so i would uh, scavenge from that for one get like all their uh discarded plywood and whatnot all right sometimes i got like some of the scripts were printed on paper and i found in recycling bins actually seriously <laughs> yeah you kind of like went dumpster dude, diving for set materials dude i was i was like 17 i didn't have any I mean, money <laughs> no i mean it's ingenious but is it what set are you most proud of? Uh, like, is there a point hmm. where you got so creative that you kind of impressed yourself? Hmm. <laughs> no, I never. I, I wouldn't say I, I impressed myself. It was. It was usually like, okay, I think this will work. Let's see. The set I was most proud of. It would have to be the um, the inside the arena where the last gunfight happens. Because that was the biggest one I built. Mm-hmm. And the one I destroyed the most. Which is very satisfying. <laughs> now, I loved that scene. Um, and I was going to ask this question later. But since you brought it up, I'll ask okay. it now. How did you do the lasers? Oh, there's... I mean, if you look if you look for it, I'm sure you'll spot it given away but i had a large piece of plexiglass placed in front of the camera that i would draw on and it was yeah it was um fluorescent paint with a black light below it to make it glow that's pretty cool (laughs) thanks so constant space was shot in super eight is that right yep now, what were the biggest uh, hurdles working with such an antiquated, yeah, antiquated? There you go, antiquated form of uh, filming. Well, first off, I would like to point out I know how to pronounce antiquated because of Lovecraft. He <laughs> loves ant the word antique and its derivatives for some reason. <laughs> That's one of his fixations. <laughs> Just a note to you folks at home listening. Right, what was the question again? Uh, what were some of the hurdles? In, in oh, oh yes, that? yes. Um, well, I, I've actually had that camera since I was 15. Um, I learned a few of the hurdles. <laughs> a few. Um, but 
the yeah a lot of the hurdles kind of kind of came from actually getting it focused right because um unlike with digital the viewfinder on a super 8 will not give you the uh, the full story mm. but you know after after like a few reels when you're punching yourself in the throat <laughs> over you know spending hours animating this and it coming out half blurry <laughs> Because you didn't have the focus position right. That was the, was probably like the biggest the, one. It was like the 1800s artillery version of like <laughs> cameras. Basically, yeah. Um, Why but, did you choose oh. to? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I was going to say, after a, few, after a few reels, then you kind of learn how to flip things to your advantage, though. Like when you learn how to play with perspective and whatnot. Mm. Why did you choose to shoot in Super 8 as opposed to, say, a digital? Well, I mean, I, I took an interest in it just because I love uh, old films. Um, one that really turned me on to wanting to use film is this short film from the late 70s called The Wizard of Speed and Time, which you can find on YouTube as well as the feature film version of it. <laughs> Wizard of Speed and Time. Yeah. It was... It's just one of the most fun things you'll ever watch. <laughs> the film effects on it. It's... I don't know. To me, film just kind of, like, puts on a veil of magic, for lack of a better word. <laughs> How many frames did you end up shooting? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, uh, I could grab the... Oh, wait, no, it's at the studio. <laughs> I was going to say, I could grab the... Approximately, then. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I had it, I have it, I have it charted out somewhere. If you had to take because, a ballpark um, guess, is it in the, is it in the tens of thousands? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How many years the filming took was four, by the way. <laughs> four years of filming. Yeah. Wow. Was editing a major hardship when it came to the filming? Uh, yes, because it was, um, I also wanted to do film editing, which is razor blades and tape. <laughs> <laughs> with a uh, little, um, with a little movieola film, film viewer. Wow, so compared to modern day video editing, you, you're serious, it's, it's just razor blades and tape. Yep. I don't have an optical printer, which is how you would combine and alter strips of film before the computer. <laughs> now, this uh, this is probably a given, but did that ever get frustrating? Oh, yeah, but in a way, it was a lot of fun. Just, <laughs> I guess it's my own perversity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just literally having the film in your hand and spooling it and... Combining it with other pieces and re-spooling it. <laughs> was there ever a point that you were thinking so far outside the box that the box became pitiful? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what you mean. <laughs> you know, just like... I'm not even like really <laughs> sure where the box was sometimes. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Let alone having to think in it. I'll accept that answer. The box is just an abstract concept, man. 
<laughs> uh, claymation films are far and few between these days. Probably because of uh, the technology with animation. Uh, I, s I still have not seen The Missing Link from last year, which is has the record now of the most expensive stop-motion film ever at 100 million bucks. 100 million dollars for a stop-motion? Yep, that nobody saw. Did they use diamonds? I think that, yeah, I think they probably <laughs> used, like, diamonds for the armatures or something. You know, it really reinforces it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you want your debut film to be uh, claymation? Uh, mostly out of necessity. <laughs> because, well, I mean, I do love stop motion, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. telling, a, telling a space action adventure... Um, well, I mean, for one, being you know, teenager to early 20s, it's hard to get your friends as invested in something without any uh, money as you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this way with claymation, it's like an action scene will cost you the same as a dialogue scene. <laughs> so Plus you only have to get your friends for a day or two to do the voice acting. True. <clears throat> yeah, I think your friends probably... They probably contributed like point zero 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 five percent in the broad <laughs> scheme of things. <laughs> well, I mean, my my uh, my best friend Max was, who I'm you know I'm still working with mm -hmm. <laughs> on current projects, which I hope we'll get into soon. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he was he was there helping me. Pretty much from the beginning, and that was kind of a large motivating factor in, mm -hmm. you know, getting this thing done. It was just like, oh, somebody else is interested in this. It's so, like easier when someone else shares the vision a little. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so you stated earlier that Constant Space was a sci-fi action adventure. Yes. Now, when I watched it the first couple times... Comedy. It, yeah, it came off to me as a sci-fi action-adventure comedy. Yes. Okay, yeah, that that was one genre I didn't mix into the pot there. Did you start with a broader idea? Nope. That was kind of what I had in mind, was kind of doing a Star Trek satire in a way. Right. One of the earlier scripts had a crew of thousands, by the way, but I quickly realized that was sort of redundant. <laughs> so you wrote the entire script before making any of the sets yeah do you think that made it easier or harder easier because you know writing it you you're more visualizing what you want so did you yeah. change any of the plot halfway through when yeah. you were building the sets yeah when i started trying to get voice actors involved they started asking questions and then <laughs> i realized oh yeah that could be done better this way or oh yeah Freddie Mercury with no mustache. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, got the biggest laugh at all the screenings. <laughs> that was that was Matt's improv, by the way. It was it was in a. It was, that's that's improv at its best, man. Uh, was Constant Space your first script, or had you made attempts earlier? Again, here when you were even younger than fifteen. 
I kind of tried writing scripts <laughs> earlier than that. Like, I remember writing one a little early, like a little bit before that. That was basically about um, homeless people discovering alien technology. <laughs> <laughs> I like writing alien stories, I'm starting to realize. <laughs> wait, 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 let's stop there. Homeless people finding alien technology? Yeah. Alright. Can, can was, you, uh... <laughs> it was a gag I carried over into constant space. It was a food synthesizer. Okay. That was literally like a synthesizer that you could, if you played notes, it would just make food. And so then, like, the entire homeless population are all just fighting each other for it. <laughs> I was I was 14, okay. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about Constant Space is the soundtrack, which gives, like, an old-school, like, kind of, like... Garage. Well, like, old-school techno with, like, uh, what, what would you describe it as? I was just thinking garage rock. Garage rock. Uh... What was the recording process for that like, and how did you settle on each song? That was probably the most fun I had making the whole movie. Because it was, you know, it was something I had to do working with my dad, who plays guitar and bass on it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bass. Some, actually, I think it was mostly bass. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, that and my, be and my other best friend, Mark... And, you know, we, we just kind of watched the movie through a couple of times. I just said, like, I was ha I had in mind, we just kind of, like, shared, like, oh, I think, like, this type of mood would work well here, this type of mood would work here. And then we just wrote it, rehearsed it a bunch, and then we literally recorded the entire thing over a 12-hour period. <laughs> nope. which, which was, like, one of the most fun days ever. <laughs> For me. What instruments did you use? What's um yeah, I got like I should have had like a list of instruments we used there. Was it more than two? <laughs> well, we recorded drums, bass, guitar first and then overdubbed the keyboard slater. Alright. So having virtually no budget. <laughs> Yes. And I say virtually because obviously clay costs money. Uh, film costs cost money. money. Film costs money. Uh, choosing your voice actors. How did you choose your voice actors? Oh, who would ever do it? Who would ever do it? Yeah. And how were you able to assign uh, the roles to each person? I kind of based it on the character and how the real person's personality would fit that character <laughs> now in directing the voice actors <laughs> what strategies did you use to uh get the desired sound or tone that you were really looking for i'd let them present their own ideas but then i would also basically i would just tell them uh you know more like more british or more, say it lower, say it higher. <laughs> now, you yeah. yourself voice acted in Constant Space. Yes, yes, I did. 
How how did you choose uh, the characters you voice acted? Was it was it based off of uh, who your favorites were, or just who you really you, thought you would yeah. fit? If there's anybody you'd like to mention in particular, I could tell you the story there. <laughs> well, like the main character I voice, Captain Captain Harris, mm-hmm. he was he was based both in looks and in voice off of my old neighbor (laughs) (laughs) or my chain smoking next door that's where hey nate comes from no no No? hey nate comes from our not our next door but our our neighbor's chain smoking grandma there's a lot of chain smokers on your street yeah i know it's (laughs) the stench has not gone away So as a voice actor myself, I really enjoyed the entire process. And I know Simon uh, was largely responsible for the uh, recording and editing of the voices. Yes. (laughs) Uh, What unanticipated struggles did you encounter, and was there any part of it that was easier than expected? Um, well, let's see, the... I'm saying I'm a lot. Uh, the... (laughs) Everyone's said that so far. (laughs) You're gonna edit that out, right? The ums? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> not- so, Simon had never done voice, or not voice, uh, movie sound design before. So, that was a big challenge <laughs> for him. He'd only done music before, and, yeah, plenty of, pl- I mean, you know, he had knowledge on mastering it and mm-hmm. making it sound alright. <laughs> But it was it was a very big challenge for him that he, you know he got paid enough money for that <laughs> he could he could have raised to the challenge. <laughs> uh, what expe- what expectations, if any, did you have for the premiere of Constant Space at the Northwest Film Forum? I I was hoping that people would laugh, cry, become part of them, give me all their money. That's I mean I don't think that's too much to ask. Is it play the Xbox game, <laughs> buy the posters, the uh, the prescription pill tie-in commercials? I do love the uh, the poster. Uh, and Daniel Deskins did the art for that poster, right? Which one? Because there was one she painted and one I painted. I don't know. Where Are there yeah. still copies of that yeah. poster laying around? Yeah, I got one on that tube over there. Well, let's check it out. Yeah, let me pop this open. <laughs> this is the one I did. I've got a number. I've got a surplus of copies here. I'm, I'm looking to let go of. So, <laughs> man, I'll take one. I'll buy right. one. That is. Uh, just, uh, just, just tell the listeners at home. Just send me a message, and I can send one to you if you pay for postage. All fifteen of them. <laughs> Limited supply. <laughs> Alright, that's a pretty cool poster. I will take a picture of that, post that. On well, I, can, I, can, I, can just, I can just send you the, I can that's just send the, one you the digital did. copy. Yeah, this is the one I did. 
And there's another one by Danielle. Yep. Which, let's see, that's over here. Awesome. Um, <laughs> oh wait, no, that's more of mine. Now, well, I'll need to find her. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about it later. Yeah. Um, the opening scene of Constant Space. Getting into the, the, the substance of the movie itself now. Okay. Um, words describing the setting start off, and it kind of gives like a, almost like a Star Wars feel, except it, it looks like it's being read on a computer. Yes. Now, this may be more simple than I think it is, but <laughs> how did you manage that? How did I... Oh, I drew it. You just drew it? Yeah. <laughs> and use this, uh... Yeah, it was, um... It was drawn on construction paper with holes, like... I didn't know what... Well, no, wait. I drew it on plastic with black ink. And then, you know, so the, uh... Mm-hmm. So it was partially transparent, placed it on a light table, and then just turned that on so it had the glow to it. Some of it got exposed too high. Yeah, some of it is... I might just redo that at some point. It is a bit hard to read, but I, I still really like the effects. Um, the ship is named Cyrinx 87. Yes. Is there any re reason you chose that name? Because she was a fool. <laughs> Uh, she's a character. She's a nymph from Greek mythology. Okay. What about the number most, most, seven? Oh, that's just the that's just the num that's the eighty seventh syrinx made. Okay. Um, how did you get the stars to shine in the the opening space scene? Are those also glow in the dark ink or something? That that is a <laughs> that's a drywall background painted black that i just drilled a bunch of holes into and placed a light behind it's you know it, it seems so much more complex but when you really break it down it's like way more simple <laughs> i'm ruining the illusion aren't i <laughs> so uh, when i when i started watching the first like five minutes i completely forgot about the live action horror film that starts off in the beginning. The one where <laughs> you fell over. Yeah. I just... I have nothing... No questions there. I just wanted to mention it. I completely forgot about that until it showed up. <laughs> I feel like that... I could have done that better. So there Made the joke that, you know, <laughs> to these clay characters, live action is a cartoon. <laughs> that, was, that was the intent of the joke, but mm -hmm. I don't... I don't think it came across quite right. Well, you said these animated horror films are trash or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, knowing how small the sets were and seeing lights appear on small electronics yeah. was pretty impressive. How did you do that? Because I felt like you used lasers, like real lasers, but I wasn't sure. There were some actual lasers involved. Laser pointers, I mean. Yeah. And... Let's say, like, for the street lamps, those are just LED lights. Mm -hmm. Like the dollar store ones that I just dressed up. Okay. Those, those things would always go out really quickly, so I had to replace them all the time. <laughs> now, uh, but, you know, it's dollar store. Who's going to complain? Some of the small things really stood out to me. Like, when Captain Harris was smoking a cigarette... Mm-hmm. 
and the cotton on the end of his cigarette was moving around every yeah. frame. Yeah. Just twisting that little piece of a uh, gray batting. <laughs> what, how did you maintain and garner that much patience and focus for, for scenes like that? I feel like not all the scenes show that I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when I watch it, it's, it's, it's like I always just kind of see, like, oh, God, I forgot about that You thing. see everything you did wrong. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where did the idea of the two bored frogs come from? That was kind of something I stole from this British sitcom called The Young Ones, where sometimes there would just be, like... It's one of those shows where, literally, for a joke, anything can happen. And it would, you know, there's this one joke in particular where somebody says, like, oh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in this part, and then it cuts to these flies on the wall just... It was like this documentary clue crew made up of flies on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I really resonated with that quote from the board frogs. All we can do is wait for something to happen. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's there's a lot of people doing that right now. Because <laughs> of that whole quarantine and all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh... By the time this <laughs> airs, everyone will be cured. <laughs> I hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they made the vaccine so quickly. <laughs> I'm waiting for that to happen. Man, I don't know. I don't think there's ever going to be a vaccine. I'm not very optimistic about humanity. Hey, hey man, look. <laughs> As Voltaire once said... You, you bird brain baby letting your life get hollow. You gotta free your mind and your ass will follow. <laughs> no. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically <laughs> what he was saying. Uh, well, Captain Harris tases someone at some point. Uh, how did you get the uh, like kind of x-ray shock effects? Because that also seemed like kind of glow in the dark, but I, that I was that was also the plexiglass thing. That was also the yeah. plexiglass. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. I, that was my favorite visual gag. Was the uh, the camera flip? <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I was really impressed by, which was also extraordinarily simple, was the subtitles on a piece of paper. <laughs> it's extraordinarily simple concept, I, I, I but... couldn't do a post-production so I had to figure <laughs> out some way <laughs> I had to redo those by the way originally I was uh, they were being drawn out as they were talking mm -hmm. and then I realized people did not have enough time to read them that way so I yeah. had to redo I it with yeah. there's a lot especially in film in constant space, where you made frames for stuff and, and maybe they didn't go as quickly or slowly as you would have liked, just because it's hard to kind of time that with the amount yeah. of frames. Yeah, that's something you kind of have to get a feel for when you do stop motion. Is <laughs> you know, you gotta... Well, like any art form, you just gotta fuck up a lot. 
before you get a feel for how it works. What were your biggest inspirations behind Constant Space? You mentioned Star Trek earlier. Yes. But was there any... The the overall plot I had in mind as a, you know, birthed from the idea of doing a satire on Star Trek, but not like, but not like something as terrible as Star Trek Lower Decks. I know that's not out yet, but it looks awful. <laughs> That was, like, what the least <laughs> funny three minutes I've ever seen in my life. But, um, as far as, like, films I was, I had in mind for, like, that I was inspired by, there would be, again, Star Trek, <laughs> Star Crash. Star Crash? Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's an Italian ripoff of, well, not a ripoff, like a cash in on Star Wars. <laughs> that is one of the most fun things I've ever seen. It's literally crafted like, like I would have written it when I was ten. <laughs> is how it's, it's just uh, kind of how it feels. And a uh, Dark Star, John Carpenter's Dark Star, which I've heard of Dark Star. That yeah, that's. That's something I would recommend to any filmmaker who wants to see how you can do a lot with a little. Because <laughs> he made that as a John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon, who later made the, Al the first Alien movie. Mm -hmm. They made that together as a student film. And then it got such positive feedback from the festival circuit that a uh, producer stepped in, just gave him more money, and made it into a feature that was released to theaters. <laughs> kind of fell on deaf ears at the time, but sometimes that shit happens. Were you hoping that because of this concept, because of your first film, that someone would see it and throw you a bunch of money? That's a little... <laughs> <laughs> that is very optimistic. <laughs> um, what I was I was hoping that it would get me enough attention to a, like maybe get a job at an animation studio or something along those lines, but okay. yeah, that, that didn't really happen. So I just decided to make another short film. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it probably needs more exposure too. I suppose. I mean, because a lot of the times with, with releases like that, most, most forms. Well, I submitted it to a lot of festivals that rejected it. <laughs> Some of them gave it feedback, so... <laughs> There's that much to say for it. A lot of bitter pills to swallow. Yeah. But it's it's necessary to just swallow all those bitter pills. Like, do do you think, uh, especially in the indie film industry, do you think a lot of people are overly pretentious? Oh yeah, yeah. That fucking Ari Oster guy that all the critics like just you know s you know suck dry. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't like it. Sorry, I, I yeah, I'm no, not a fan. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this much. I'll prefer, I'll prefer somebody who has a vision, and makes, and makes a, you know, a film that's at least interesting, even if it's divisive in a way, over 
you know, boring, homogenized crap that we're getting so much of right now. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like most indie films these days are just so convoluted and overdone. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Like, they're, they're all trying to be unique in the dumbest ways. Yeah, to a degree, I'll agree with you, but... I still kind of feel like we need more weird movies out there than we're getting in a in a mainstream way. Yeah, we haven't gotten a lot of weird movies. There, uh, you know, there's there's some good uh, there's some good indie films that you you know that are out mm-hmm. there if you look for them. Like I would recommend the filmmaker Joe Bagos, who made uh, this one movie. Well, he's made several movies, but yeah, his most recent is. This one called VFW, that's like an 80s-styled action movie with a bunch of veteran action stars playing veterans, literally. (laughs) VFW means veterans of foreign wars, (laughs) by the way. But check it out, It's, it's a really good movie if you're into action movies. But he's also made um, this one called... The, the mind's eye that's about people with telekine with telekinesis telekinetic powers yeah, yeah. telekinesis how do you say that telekinesis 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 can that's okay you got me on antiquated <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got your turn now to correct me on the pronunciation of something pronunciation <laughs> fuck <laughs> fucking shit uh one more scene from Constant Space I really enjoyed was when the aliens board the ship and they have that fascination with cigarettes. <laughs> and, and you kind of get, like, the alien perspective and explanation of what cigarettes are. And I just thought it was brilliant. It's like, well, what are they? How did, yeah, that was, that was an interesting question to myself. Was <laughs> how How... How would you explain cigarettes to somebody who has no concept of smoking? <laughs> and, yeah, basically the, the idea I was getting at there was, you know, tobacco was introduced to the settlers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, wrapping up uh, Constant Space, what are you most proud of with that film? Finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd consider that film my film school, really. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> learning it was a how to project. Yeah, learning how to put an entire film together. I'm proud that I was able to see it through. Did you ever have doubts that you wouldn't finish it? Yeah, all the time. All the time, huh? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll just get into the, uh, the state of mind I was I was in, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've I've had some uh, some issues here and there with the with depression and you know sometimes I mean you know especially at like eighteen it was like you know it was it was. It was, at times, very hard to see a point to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, 
Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, the idea that somebody else might be interested in something I'm doing was a motivating factor. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, uh, going on away from constant space. All right. The real juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you working on right now? I am... Let's see, I'm in post-production on some on one project, pre-production on another. Alright, let's start with the one you're in post-production for. Yes. Uh, what kind of film is it? This one's a live-action horror short. Okay, and what's the, what's the plot like? What... The plot is about a audio engineer who learns that her brother has joined this cult... Though they don't like to call themselves that. (laughs) She can't really figure out what they're trying to do, so it's really scaring her, and she has to figure out what's going on here. I'll make make the actual logline sound way more fancy when when we actually get around to finishing and marketing this shit. Now, going from shooting a claymation stop-motion picture to going to a live-action... Yeah. What kind of challenges did that bring up that weren't in the claymation? (laughs) And and what was easier about it? Well, you see, the thing is, you know, I'm very used to dealing with actors who are like six inches tall. And when you're dealing with (laughs) actors who are, you know, up to five times that, (laughs) presented like five times the challenge. (laughs) No, no, um, (laughs) well, you know, part of, well, this is the first time I've really, like, gone to the process of casting, which, I mean, like, as far as putting out a casting call instead of just asking your friends, Mm -hmm. hey, do you want to do this? But, uh, (laughs) the... Yeah, so that was that was a very interesting process, and you know, uh, giving stage direction is—I mean, for me, it was easy to process. I mean, translate how you would direct a claymation character. Mm-hmm. Well, I've also—I I haven't really acted since high school, but I was an actor throughout high school. Did you act in the movie itself? A little bit, yeah. You, like uh, like like a couple of minor characters. You Quentin Tarantino'd yourself in. No, you don't. You don't really. Yeah, you know, I'm not featured prominently, <laughs> except for one character you won't be able to recognize. Teaser. Uh, yeah, the the process of casting was actually a lot of fun, and probably my favorite part was doing the. Well, I'm not going to say table reading because mm-hmm. we didn't have a table, but doing the script reading with with all the actors was a lot of fun because it's did you turn down any actors yeah you 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 have to (laughs) there was um yeah yeah there was there's some interesting people (laughs) you encounter um the like this one guy this one guy they uh by the way my casting was sending people a page out of the script and telling them to read it there's there's several ways that you can have mm-hmm. people audition video audition and whatnot mm-hmm. and this there was this one guy who sent like an entire page worth of what he was what he was putting into his technique 
<laughs> and then his actual audition video was the flattest reading <laughs> ever. It was literally delivered like this. It's like, okay, you've studied as an actor and you, you, you're putting a lot of thought into this, but... I imagine uh, working with actors, especially starting actors, or, or yeah. not but actors that haven't been in a lot of films is, is strange, because you, you probably get a couple different types of people. You get the people... There's, there's one older actress who's had a lot of experience on the stage, and she, um, she, she's also an acting teacher. As, oh, that's nice. That's refreshing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were probably a, a few of them that were a bit manic, though, yeah? Yeah. That seems to be a trait among actors or people that want to be actors. <laughs> <laughs> a few, yeah. A few who are pretty eager to, you know, jump mm -hmm. into it. Now, as far as prep for... part, Yeah, part of the auditioning was also kind of the person's personality because mm -hmm. I want to run a... I want to run a... an efficient set mm -hmm. that gets along. <laughs> so, that's part of how I judge who all who I wanted to hire was based on their technical ability as well as their personality. <laughs> there were some people that were just uh they weren't fans of authority. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't get into a lot of arguments or anything like that. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, for the most part it was it was a uh it was a pretty. Well, I mean, as far as uh, as far as how people got along, it mm -hmm. it was for the most part good. <laughs> how many actors and actresses did you end up hiring? Mm, I think it was ten people overall. How much does that cost to to hire ten actors for a movie? Oh, I told them they weren't being paid. <laughs> And they weren't. So that was understood. I told them all this money has to go onto the screen, all right? I would have liked to, yeah, but sure. I barely had enough money to rent the equipment and locations as it was. So you had to rent the actual locations? Yes. Uh, which locations did you rent? Let's see, we have a radio station, a water treatment plant, a an office break room, and let's see, okay, I didn't rent that, or that. Right, and a house. Wow. How much does it cost to rent out a water treatment plant? <laughs> Depends on the treatment plant, really. I approached <laughs> several places, just told them what I wanted to do. One of my favorites was uh, this one. This one place I just said, "I'm, I'm, you know, basically, I just said, I'm just asking them, would you be open? That's kind of how you approach locations. Mm -hmm. Is just telling them, I'm looking to shoot a movie there. Are you open to the idea? And then this one place just responded, "Thanks for asking, but I don't think so." <laughs> and then there was like nothing below it. <laughs> All right, to the point. <laughs> but yeah, this the treatment plant we went with, all the people there were super nice. They they just loved the idea that a film was being shot there and I was kind of just paying for 
one of their people to be there after hours. Mm-hmm. Which treatment plant was that? Why is that important? Because I know a guy that works at a treatment plant. <laughs> oh, yeah. <you're... laughs> it was not that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which Dude, one okay. I'm curious. It was, it was in Lake Stevens. Okay. I don't get why that's important. But <laughs> would you mind telling him that story? Because it's funnier okay. from your perspective. All right. So it is uh, one day... Emmett tells me he's looking for some uh, water treatment plants because he wants to get a good idea on uh, how to film his uh, upcoming movie. And so he tells me he went to this place and toured it and stuff. And uh, the next day I'm at work. I worked at this place called the Whistle Stop at the time. And uh, one of my customers comes in and I'm telling him about this thing I just did that day. I was like, yeah, it's just with a friend checking out some water treatment plants. And uh, this guy's name's Andrew. He's like, you know what I'm saying? You know what's weird? I had, there was this guy that came into to my work and he, he said he was trying to shoot a movie. And and I, he asked for a tour and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? You know? He couldn't shake a hand with a damn. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and slowly the connections in my brain start to go Those off. Those synapses like, started just firing off, man. Andrew met Emmett. <laughs> Alright, and now I... Think, I yeah, thank you, Andrew. I know to work on my handshake now. The re- He told me... He actually meeting. told me the real trick is to just look him in the eye. And just grab it. And just pull. Like you're trying to snap the pinky off. Just the pinky. <laughs> Not anything larger like the ring finger. You ended up meeting him uh, at the bar, didn't you? I think no. you and Sam showed up. No, I mean, either it must have just been Sam. Then. No, that was just Sam because yeah. he told me about that later. That's hilarious. hilarious. That's such a small world scenario. <laughs> uh, small state, <laughs> right? Um, so, do you have a title for this new movie coming out yet? Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say about it? Uh, when can we expect it to be out officially? I'm hoping to have it done by the end of the year. Basically, we just need to get the sound design done. Mm-hmm. We were planning on doing ADR. Me and the <coughs> sound designer were planning on uh, Cody, by the way. You can probably link his uh, his website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's he, you know he's a good guy and he's looking to get more uh, more work because he's trying to do sound design for a living. But anyways, yeah. we were we were planning on doing ADR around May, but you know then this then this whole uh, nonsense started up. Mm-hmm. This great unpleasantness we're in. ADR stands for additional dialogue recording. Okay. Yeah. It's, so it's yeah pretty much down to sound. We were, but, uh, you know, then the nonsense started and yeah, he, we were, we might've been able to do it on the DL, but mm-hmm. he also ended up getting COVID. He actually got COVID. Yep. He's, he's, he's doing, he's on the mend right now. It's been a few weeks. He's, he's doing better. He's not dead. So that's good. Yeah, he's not one of those numbers you keep seeing every fucking day. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. 
is is the other number above that number. <laughs> but so yeah, we'll well I'm hoping to have it done by the end of the year. <laughs> Where did you get the idea for a cult? And, you know, <laughs> the poisoning of a water treatment plant, etc. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of divisiveness going on today <laughs> that I feel like a lot of people develop a cult-like mentality over <laughs> really stupid shit. So, part of it came from that. Exactly. <laughs> Man, I the mask thing is like... It's the craziest thing. It's the yeah. craziest argument I've ever seen in my life. And I mean that. <laughs> I am a conspiracy theorist. I give... That's also the other part of the idea was, you know, conspiracy theories, which I follow passively for amusement. I give but I don't a take them that seriously. benefit of the doubt. I give all of the conspiracy theories, even Flat Earth, I gave it the biggest benefit of the doubt, you know. You and even Flat asshole. Earth makes more sense than this whole... I gotta, I gotta it's tell... It's gonna make you wear masks to control you kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. I was gonna say. Now, now, since you bring up flat Earth, this is totally off topic. But one time, a coworker of mine was went on this whole rant about how stupid flat Earthers are, and I and I just said, I was, uh, I just said, like, you know, I mean, flat Earthers are stupid, but they're they're doing less active harm than say an anti-vaxer, because that's more of a that's that's more of something applied to real life. And it turned out he was an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's like, what do flat earthers actually want? Is that, is, do they want anything? I, I don't think so. I think they just want to know... Defund NASA! <laughs> no, NASA's awesome. <laughs> They put us on the fucking moon! I met a guy once that believed that there was a firmament around the entire Earth. <laughs> and, you know, he wasn't like, you know, you you imagine these flat earthers and yeah. crazy conspiracy theorists as, like, these crazy people. Yeah. He was a very level-headed guy. He, he came mm -hmm. off as one, so... Yeah. I don't know, it was just bizarre. But, uh, yeah, we did get a bit off talk, but, uh, but uh, what are you working on right now? What I'm working on is... I am, let's see, I have a script here. You, you heard me flicking the, uh, the flicking the script. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the script. Um, for a, for a different, for a new project that, you know, the more we were talking about it, the more I'm realizing I have some tropes going, because <laughs> it's about aliens on Earth. <laughs> I love sci-fi, okay. No, that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong Let's with sci-fi. Yeah. But yeah, it's about... this. Basically, this project would be a pilot to a series that's basically a... Styled on the movie serials of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's another project I want to shoot live action and on black and white film. Just to give it more of, you know, once again, the aesthetics and give it more of that feeling of, you know, something you'd watch at, like, 
2 a.m., as I would often do with these kind of movies. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's about aliens on Earth, and this one, yeah, like I said, it's live action, but there will be stop-motion creatures in it, and it's it's not what I'm intending to do full constant space and edit on film, but basically the effects will be done an old-fashioned way, but I'll be treating my computer as an optical printer. <laughs> okay, so it's a live action, but it's supplemented by the special yeah. effects of, say, like that movie uh, Dark Crystal that you brought up earlier. Dark Dark Star? Dark Star. Oopsies. <laughs> no, I'm going further back than Dark Star. I'm thinking more along the lines of teenagers from outer space or <laughs> invasion of the saucermen. Both of which you can watch on YouTube for free, by the way. <laughs> Where do you think you originally got really interested in, you know, kind of underground or vintage film? I don't know if I could really explain that. I've just always been drawn to it. Mm -hmm. I guess kind of the idea of, you know, we, you know, my family, we've watched, we've, We've all watched way too many movies, and something about watching older films and questioning how you do something without a computer, I guess, is really what drew me to it. And then, you know, the more I read into it, because these days there's plenty of information out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can, yeah, it's, you know, you learn just about how all these interesting techniques are combined and <laughs> placed on top of each other to now, and obviously, create a grand illusion. Oh, sorry. Guys. No, no worries. Uh, obviously for you, the vintage doesn't... It's not just constrained to film for you. <laughs> I mean, you've got a typewriter sitting down that you wrote your first script on. You've and the current VHS one. You've got in front of me with a... What what is that thing right there? That's a that's a Betamax. It's another type of tape that's <laughs> of higher quality, but nobody bought it at the time. Betamax, an old JVC TV. And there was a ton of VHSs outside. Yes. And I know for oh, a you're fact... forgetting the laser disc. <laughs> Which oh, wait, it's not plugged. I was in. gonna say I know for a fact you still use MapQuest and you have a flip phone. Yes. Do you just hate modern technology, and if so, why? <laughs> All right, I gotta, right now I'm pulling out a laser disc because I don't think he knows what that is. I don't. It looks it's, like a record, but it looks like a CD at the same time. Yeah, it's it's like another higher quality format at the time. Though again, this was <laughs> something people didn't really buy at the time because was it overpriced or what? Yeah. <laughs> And they could break very easy. It was like the Blu-ray of the day. Yeah, basically. Because I don't know Blu-ray of, of the that uh, bought Blu-ray. And if you did, except for me, you bought Blu-ray. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You didn't see that on the shelf downstairs? I think I've watched two Blu-ray movies in my life, and each time I was like, "This well, looks so good, it looks bad." That's what I felt. That's that's how they started. They've <laughs> they've improved Blu-ray since then. Like like I remember like. This was in 2009, I think, 2010. The Blu-ray of Predator, where they tried making it look like HD video, but it was shot on 35mm film. 
So they reduce. They did this like digital grain reduction that made everything look like it was either made out of plastic or wax, and it was it was just one of the weirdest things to watch. But I would say these days they've definitely improved how they would transfer film to digital or how they present. Well, I mean, obviously not everybody. <laughs> so back to the question: Why? are you so opposed to uh, the newer technologies or the modern way of editing or making things or even finding your way to the nearest Taco Bell? Well, for one, who would want to get to Taco Bell as fast as possible? Because it's Taco Bell. (laughs) It's just a way of killing yourself, man. Um, The, like, I just. I know for I, a fact I just don't you have a map re- in your car. You have a freaking road map. Nobody mm-hmm. owns road maps anymore, Emmett. I don't either now because <laughs> mine got stolen when my car was stolen. Somebody stole your road. I think. I think those. I think those joy riders just did that to be assholes, really. <laughs> but yeah, the question at hand. I I just generally don't trust modern life. Why is that? Is there a reason? There, you know, I feel like we've we're, we have several prime examples. <laughs> I imagine, but like you know, is there like something that happened when you were a kid? Did someone come by and say like, uh, "Some future's now, kid," and like you know, hey, children, <laughs> you want to look at my new iPhone? Through a ton of iPod Nanos at you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's just sort of this, <laughs> you know. It's it's just kind of seeing people have this mentality of of like, you know, it's before my time, so fuck it, it's useless. <laughs> and you know that that type of shit genuinely scares me because, you know, what do do you feel like if you have to learn something new, you have to forget something you already know? <laughs> I hope not. I hope that you, it's more of a emerging. That's what you would hope for. Yeah, and you know, I don't like romanticizing the past either. I know there's plenty of fucked up shit before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the pandemic 102 years ago was worse than it is now, and they had a world war going on at the same time. If you're thinking now is the end of times, imagine how people back then thought. (laughs) I imagine back then they didn't, uh, they didn't have as much access to news either, so they didn't really... There was enough. I mean, but most of the people living in the countryside or rural areas, they didn't get, they didn't care. You know, one of those, (laughs) one of those Roosevelt's was talking about, talked at the time about how people just can't trust anything they read in a newspaper. (laughs) Does that sound familiar to anybody? (laughs) You know, to be fair, though, they were right. Back then, there were a lot of hoax stories put out. And, uh, I I did a... War of the Worlds was a true story. (laughs) I did a podcast uh, for another guy's podcast called Inside Bud like a year ago, and I, I did it about giants in America. <laughs> and and the, the 
Do you ever see Troll Hunter? That's a I good movie. Not. But the Giants in America story got got uh, thrown out there because in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there were a ton of stories in the newspaper of giant bones being found, and like <laughs> all of them being shipped to the Smithsonian and never seen again, or hmm. or just uh, disintegrating as soon as they were unearthed. So. <laughs> Largely, and it was very regular back in the day for hoax stories to make the news quite often. Like, you know. What about those, was it those moonshiners who saw the owl aliens? I haven't heard that. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> God, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the sighting, but it was like moon. Yeah, there's like these moonshiners up in the mountains who claimed that they saw aliens. And then when you look at the descriptions, I mean, the illustrations of their descriptions, they look a lot like owls. <laughs> well, back then, moonshiners, if they didn't do it right, they could really screw themselves up, couldn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd just be like drinking straight-up ethanol or something. That ain't good. Uh... Who, what modern director do you really look up to? Modern, okay. Yeah. That, that is a good question. Uh, like Joe Bagos, as I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, another guy who can really do a lot with a little. Um, I've kind of drawn a blank. That's okay. Uh, 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 can, there, are, there are some there. I'm just gonna you can take your time. In, in the meantime, I'll ask... Uh, um, Adam Wingard, who made The Guest. He's... I really enjoy his work. Uh, he's also making the current King Kong vs. Godzilla, which got delayed till 2021. That's unfortunate. But I've, I've heard it's really good, based on the uh, pre-screenings. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, How about ever? Favorite director ever? Ever? Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, we're talking, we're, we're going way back. <laughs> just any, any time, let's... Any time in history, which can... Can I just name some favorites? Go ahead, name a, name a few of them. Toby Hooper, he's, he's always awesome. What uh, are his notable films? <laughs> <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Life Force... I feel like I've heard of Life Force. Space Vampires kicks I, I all kinds I of... I think I watched that. I watched that when I was 13. <laughs> if you go... If, if anybody you know I, Life Force, you'll know that's when I made certain decisions in life. <laughs> uh, I mean, Eaten Alive, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, on that same token, George Romero, who made Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day mm. of the Dead... And Creep Show. Yeah, I've seen the original uh, original Night of the Dead, or Night of the Living Dead. That was enjoyable. Out of curiosity, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Anna. What? What are your top five favorite movies? Oh, God. <laughs> You're going to need to give me a minute on that. That's okay, I'll, I'll give you a minute. <laughs> I thought I was naming favorite directors. <laughs> Um, you want me to pause and give you some time? Yeah, I also got to pee. Alright, we're gonna take a break here.
are back. Even though it was just a second yeah. for you guys, <laughs> it was minutes for us. Yeah, so as I was saying, like, yeah, that, that was like when my dad shot her in the face. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you should have been there. So... Have you ever tried DMT? No. Uh, <laughs> that's a no. Joe Rogan joke. Oh, um, okay. We were talking about uh, your favorite movies. Okay, yeah. Some of some of my favorite movies would include Jaws for one. You know, I feel like it's classic. pretty yep, pretty standard classic. Um, there's this one from the late '60s called Oh wait, no, early '60s, The Great Escape, classic. We used to play a game in PE in elementary school. Yeah, called The Great Escape. <laughs> Did it involve digging tunnels and we running on, away uh, from Nazis? We went on scooters and tried to balance on beams. That was about it. It wasn't it had not a whole lot of Nazis that I'm that I was aware of. Yeah, there there could have been some watching, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, man. So, yeah, that's that's a favorite of mine. Um, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. <laughs> Them, even though I, I don't even think there was a Precinct 13 in the movie, the distributors just chose that title because it sounded cool. Um, Blade Runner, always been a favorite. You know, that's the very first Philip K. Dick adaptation, which got me to read his works. And Yeah, he's a pretty prominent author, isn't he? Yeah. And the weirdo sci-fi community, yeah, for sure. Uh, did you see Blade Runner 2049? Yes. What'd you think? I, I got some issues. I, I got some issues with this. Okay. It's, uh, it's, let's not even get into that. Okay, we'll We're talking about movies I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this, let's say... This one movie from the 80s called Hands of Steel <laughs> that has... Is it Kung Fu? No. <laughs> it has some Kung Fu in it, but not enough to call it a Kung Fu movie. Uh, let's see. Enter the Dragons, kind of it. Oh, kind of always been a favorite. Yeah, no, I guess I would I call that a favorite. That movie, yeah, man, I watched that all the yeah. time. First time I ever saw titties in a movie. I I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. I, was, I remember <laughs> watching that with Sam like, when oh we were both God. like, I think we were like six or seven when we were. <laughs> we just thought we were watching a kung fu movie, and then when that happens, we both just sat there and we just went. Oh my god, we can't tell our parents that there's boobs in this movie. No, we were both silent. We were just kind of like... <laughs> and especially growing up as Christians, it's like... That's like almost... Eating. That's what they're all worried about? <laughs> they were afraid of that, man. No, Enter the Dragon, I really love that because... Uh, when you, I, so that's yeah, I watched yeah, it it's later, a rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah, until I watched it later in life, I, I didn't realize how many sound effects were in it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds nothing like when I punch somebody in the face. <laughs> the Rip off! Insane. Yeah. 
I I still love that movie so much. I yes. haven't watched it in a while. I need to. Hey, I'm, Ropa, where you been since now? I find. Man, you come straight out of a comic book. <laughs> John Saxon, also in Hands of Steel. Really? Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. I love Let's that see. movie. I, every Bruce Lee Kung Fu movie was sublime, <laughs> in my opinion. Yes. The Thank the you, Bruce. Takes the cake. It's really um, uh, unfortunate how he died. Yeah, it's a, so sudden. Well, it's not just that sudden. It's so right. It lame. was the. It's like for, for like the biggest badass at the time in the yeah. world to die from an allergic reaction to like aspirin. It's hey, like, look! The aliens in War of the Worlds—they destroyed entire <laughs> cities, but it was just germs that got them. Um, Albert, let's see, Albert Pune's Nemesis is one of the most awesome action movies <laughs> ever. Really? Nemesis? I gotta yeah. check that out. Yeah. Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. I, I think it's still on that. Okay. If not, I've been meaning to actually. Well, reorder a copy. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. Oh yeah, Citizen Kane. I mean, that's pretty standard for favorite movies. Um, Touch of Evil, speaking of Orson Welles. I haven't seen most of those movies, which makes me sad. But I love Orson Welles as, as a writer. Yeah. Have you ever... This might be something we'll have to do after. Words. Have you Orson seen... Scott Card, my bad. I think I got his book up on the shelf there, so you might be thinking of Ender's Game. I think I, I might have. Definitely not a favorite movie. No. <laughs> no. Um, I could go favorite book, but not a favorite movie. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Touch of Evil. It's another great film. I was going to say this will be something we'll have to talk mm-hmm. about afterwards, but I'm going to keep Orson Welles in mind. I'll just say that much. Yeah, Touch of Evil's brilliant. Um... Let's see, what else? <laughs> All these movies. Um, how about a, as far a, as Kubrick goes? I mean, that's a standard favorite mm-hmm. director. Um, Stanley favorite, let yeah, me say. The, Sh- <laughs> the Shining, Doctor Strange Love. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen anything before Doctor Strange Love. What is... uh, Exorcist Three is very underrated. And that might sound weird, mm-hmm. considering I would say Exorcist 2 is a fascinating train wreck. What is the most important aspect in a movie, according to you? Ooh, that's, a, that's another good question. Um, I would say your earnestness and love for what you're doing because to me that to me that that always will shine through Mm -hmm. in a movie like whenever somebody's like just doing something even if it's as a job i you know your love for film and filmmaking will always shine through in the final product if you're like a cynical asshole who's trying to get a dark universe started then Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, that just always will come across. So what do you think is evidence of uh, passion behind a filmmaker? 
and how they craft something, really. Well, yeah, of course how they craft it. But like, uh, okay, you, that's kind of vague, you're yeah, right? So you're watching a movie. Is there, is there an example of something, uh, like how one of the movies aforementioned, that just so clearly spells out this guy cared about what was going on here? <laughs> well, something like, well, if we're going to use Jaws as an example, mm-hmm. that's that's a movie that's a total movie that is good that's as good as it is by circumstance because <laughs> what spielberg originally planned out wouldn't have been that great but <laughs> from the fact that they could like they had a shooting schedule they had to keep but the shark never worked and with his original plan you would have seen the shark a lot throughout the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and so by the fact that they had to figure out other ways to build the suspense and build the characters and all that, mm-hmm. that was that was what made Jaws Jaws. And you know, having that sort of ingenuity that things aren't going like I planned, I got to think of something else that'll make this work, make it something people will enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I feel a lesser director would have, would have, like, you know, been just, like, thrown a fit and half-assed it. But So, yeah, that that is a prime example to me, anyways. So, ingenuity and kind of being able to make things work even when things go terribly wrong on set. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite actor? <laughs> Let's see, at Slash the moment. actress. Okay, I'll, I'll name a favorite actor and a favorite actress. That's probably good. We, we better do that. <laughs> <laughs> you sexist pig. <laughs> You've deeply triggered me. I'm... Okay, Karen. You're... I'm trying not to. Sorry, is that a gender-specific pronoun? I mean, I don't know if you can. If you are you saying I can't name my son Karen? Kind of fucking destroy. You my can. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's Corinne. Corinne. Okay. Fine. You can use fucking Asian, Jewish, Polynesian. What, just just make sure you mix everything in to ensure maximum appeal. It's a, he's, a, he's a French Polynesian with roots in Chinese, is, Hawaiian, and Latina. Alejandro Chung. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, your favorite actor and actress. Right. We were going way off there. <laughs> um, let's see, favorite actor right now? Um, Michael Murphy is like a favorite that guy for me. Who he, is Michael Murphy? He was in this movie called Dead Kids. Dead Kids. Where he plays the main character's dad. And he is super entertaining as, like, this take-no-shit-from-anybody from guy. But then he also played this uh, mild-mannered 
research scientist in this movie called Phase 4 about intelligent ants. Intelligent ants. <laughs> yes, that are trying to take over the world. I mean, are you... I have not seen it since I was a teenager, but I gotta revisit it because I remember absolutely loving it at the time. <laughs> Honestly, I don't... I don't think there's any evidence to show that they haven't already taken over the world. Well, we should watch this together sometime. <laughs> I mean, if you work on sheer numbers, I mean, they're winning, right? <laughs> Wouldn't beetles be outpacing them, though? Would they? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, yeah. I see a beetle every once in a while. I see ants all the freaking time. You know? Just saying. I'm talking worldwide, man. Worldwide? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen the beetles of the world. Apparently, they've got the largest population of any species in the world. I imagine there's some sort of, like, uh, insect UN. You know? <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to what, what you were saying about uh, Michael Murphy. And, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> to me, I just haven't seen him in something I haven't liked him in. On that same token, Lance Henriksen... He played the android and aliens. Okay. You've seen that one. Yep, another another awesome actor who, no matter what kind of shithole production he's in, he always he always delivers you something to watch about it. <laughs> uh, like let's see. That. As far as uh, yeah, uh, it's like uh, there are some actors who will be in movies that I won't necessarily be interested in based off the plot or the director, but I'll watch them anyways. An example of that is anything Edward Norton is in. For some reason, I just yep. love Edward Norton's acting. Usually just plays Edward Norton, though, doesn't it? Well, that's kind of why I like it. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. If you like Edward Norton, you'll, you'll get what you paid for. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, how about that's... for actresses? Uh, um, there's this actress right now who's, I guess she's kind of mostly been a horror girl, but Lauren Ashley Carter is another actress who just delivers whenever she's in something. Uh, she was in The Mind's Eye, which I think I might have mentioned earlier. You didn't. Okay. Well, she's in that. She's really good in that. She was in this movie called Darling. Okay. Um, she was... It does, honestly, don't don't worry about the ums. Most people don't really even notice them, man. I don't. Um, I them. um. Well, and if you um, want, you can you can throw some ers in there and some uhs. It'll space out the ums. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's always cool to me, anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, Pam Greer. She is the main. She's the title character in Jackie Brown. Okay. And she's always a badass. Now here's a curveball. She was, she was also one of the robot teachers in Class of 1999. <laughs> which, if you guys haven't seen that, that is just a fun roller coaster of an 80s action film. Uh, what, what do you think the best decade for film was? 60s, 70s, 80s. Just I, I got to group them all together, man. 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yep. Because I, I feel like... I do like plenty of stuff from before and after <laughs> that, but it just so happens a lot of my favorite stuff is in that 
pillar of awesome. Because I feel like the 80s has the most eclectic and kind of wild and kind of out there uh, plots. It feels like, you know, producers were felt confident enough to just dump money into oddball projects. Which just so happens to be when cocaine was huge. The cocaine. That's the proper pronunciation is the cocaine. Hey, that guy tried to steal my the cocaine. <laughs> uh, yes, that I, I've heard plenty of behind the scenes of the cocaine stories. As far as plots go, uh, what do you think is really important for a plot to uh, resonate with an audience? I think it's what I was saying earlier. Having, uh, you know, having the ingenuity for it. Okay. As uh, as far as um, how it's planned out? Or... Mm-hmm. Well, well just uh, saying... again, that's, that's like, there's, there's no one answer to that. Mm-hmm. It To me, it just kind of depends on the sort of movie it is. If it's a if it's a movie about a person's psyche, mm-hmm. if it's a very first person kind of story told, then I think that is a good time to, you know, get weird with it. Mm-hmm. You know, David Lynch. You know, I think all of his work <laughs> is is very. That is a favorite director as well. He's an oddball. He, yeah, he has. <laughs> but he has, he has this way of just like working his odd ideas into something that's engaging <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of odd how david lynch ever became mainstream and i do say he became mainstream twin twin peaks for sure mm-hmm. that was that was kind of like the lost of it's a day something mm-hmm. everybody was talking about and i think people stopped trusting him after dune but I twin feel peaks like... was after dune yeah but Which, I think Dune yeah, was... Dune a, is interesting because I I do think it's accurate to the book, but at the same time, it will not make any sense if you haven't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Dune get remade. It is getting remade. It's been... They've been no, saying no, that for like the, they're They're filming it. Now. Are they really? Yeah. Who's it filming it? D- Denis Villeneuve, the guy who made... Blade Runner 2049, so I'm a little apprehensive about it, but he did make Arrival and Sicario, which were both very excellent films. Listen, man, if he can make a Dune movie anything close to the vision of Jodowski's Dune... Jodorowsky? Jodowsky, the French guy who was going to make it but couldn't get enough money. He was going to have Pink Floyd do the soundtrack and shit. That would have been awesome. It would have been amazing. We did have Toto for David Lynch's... (laughs) That sounds nothing like Toto, does it? It's like Dune, Africa. <laughs> we gotta make our own uh, version of Africa where just all the lyrics describe the plot of stuff in Dune. I remember watching the documentary about how that flopped in uh, pre-production. And it made me so sad. Cause that, was... that does have an important tie to Alien because that's how H.R. Giger and Dan O'Bannon met was because they were working on Dune. Okay. So without that train wreck of a pre-production on Dune, we wouldn't have Alien. I guess that Okay, is. that is a favorite. <laughs> Another favorite movie. Alien was a great film. I yeah. mean, it was a... There was like... It's there very was, memorable. Yeah. 
It's, you know, some people say it's a remake of this movie from the 50s called It, the Terror from Beyond Space, which, <laughs> plot-wise, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but just, you know, there was just nothing told like that before it. <laughs> the idea of... Well, I mean, the 50s movie doesn't have the chest burst or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, in the broad strokes, yeah, the plot's very similar. <laughs> Do you have a favorite comedy? Uh, movie 43. Movie 43? No, no. <laughs> no, that? no, that movie's off. Because uh, I know you generally gravitate towards uh, sci-fi, horror, and... Favorite uh, comedy. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I've never heard you really mention any comedies. And I know comedies are odd, because... Super really... Troopers is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> all right we we don't want to press charges but we can't just let you kids get off easy so you guys are gonna have to smoke all of this in front of us <laughs> i don't think that's an option for me snozberries taste like snozberries <laughs> yeah um <laughs> let's see uh I don't know if I'd just call this a comedy, because it's like, it's a car chase comedy, but Smokey and the Bandit is just a ton of fun to watch. I haven't seen Smokey and the Bandit. There's so many movies I haven't seen, but I'm going to be on my ass for the next month, so I'm going to have some time. Well, I'll help you out. Because <laughs> I can. Let's see, comedies. Uh... Clerks? That one's awesome. Oh, man. Clerks That's, is amazing. Yeah. You intru- I think you and Sam introduced me to Clerks and Clerks, Clerks too. And I... And after so the memorable. Hobbit on Hobbit <laughs> Suck Fest is over, Frodo will brick in Samwise's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> you asshole! There's only one trilogy. And uh, that, that movie was so... That's that's another. It, it was so edgy. It was such a risk to even put it out. Like especially the when they're talking about. I don't even know if I. Kevin can say Kevin it. Smith has said, <laughs> like he said flat out, if I made Clerks today, nobody would release it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it back, man. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the commentary track, the actor playing Randall said he kept walking home in that shirt, forgetting he was wearing oh, it. Oh God! <laughs> kept asking himself, "Why are people keep giving me such such stink eye?" For those of you who haven't watched Clerks, Clerks Two specifically, I'm not gonna say what his shirt says, but go watch Clerks and Clerks Two. They're fantastic. You'll movies. you'll know what the shirt he's you'll wearing know, is. You'll know. <laughs> Uh, I like Clerks 1 more Yeah But Clerks 2 is still That's still the way to follow it I think Yeah If he ever makes a third one I'll be curious to see how he I would love to see a third one I mean Kevin Smith The last movie I saw by him was what Tusk? You didn't see Yoga Hosers? I didn't I watched Tusk and I was like this is great and equally terrifying and disturbing. It's like, my God, that end scene where he's just by the pool. 
It's like they don't even try. I was I was pretty surgery. with that movie until the. Yeah, again, I was asking too many questions that didn't add up. I was just kind they of throw the... fish. It's like what he can't eat regular food. He's still. A per... I get I get like the point of what he was saying there, but. That was at the end. I was just thinking to myself, Kevin, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut back on the weed next time you're writing. <laughs> Man, that's that's this is too this is too potheadish for its own good. <laughs> peyote fueled nightmare man yoga hosers is just more of a goofy comedy that i I'm not a whole lot of people like i liked it but i can understand why people wouldn't <laughs> what is the plot to that just like this teens in a in a who work in it it, it shares a universe with <laughs> tusk okay. johnny depp plays the same character okay. who's in who's now investigating uh People who keep getting killed by by anal related wounds <laughs> <laughs> that eventually will involve Nazis. <laughs> it's that kind of a movie. What was that movie you got me for? I think it was for my birthday. It was a uh, Surf Nazis Must Die. Yes, that was for Christmas. I got a lot of people that movie. <laughs> That movie kicks all kinds of ass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Emmett. Oh, should we uh, should we wrap this thing up? Because I'm yes. now forgetting we're not just shooting the shit. But uh, but before we wrap it up, where can they find your My Twitter, stuff. your YouTube, your, uh, how can they get in contact with you for business things? Etc. Etc. Okay, housekeeping kind of stuff. You can find me um, on <laughs> on the YouTube at Home Hobo Films LLC. I don't know if you'll find exactly just me. I'll probably me. Uh, link all of it. Okay, on but the I'll still I should still just yeah. say where to look. Mm-hmm. You can find find me on Twitter though. I wouldn't really recommend it at Hobo Celluloid. Just followed you today. You are posting fairly regularly. Not really. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm on I'm on Vimeo. On if you just type in Vimeo, uh, Vimeo dot com slash hobo film, find me there. You'll find me on Twitch, YouTube, or not Twitch. I'm not on Twitch yet. Twitter, YouTube, Vimeo. I have a SoundCloud page. Hobo Records, okay. which you'll be able to find the song for download that you heard on today's show. <laughs> and if you are interested in watching Constant Space, I'm going to leave a link to the entire feature film on the podcast itself. Which is also, will get you to the Vimeo page, I suppose. That's right, and I'll, I'll put all the other links necessary to get in contact with this wonderful man here. Uh, Shut Emmett, up. Is there anything... Anything else you'd like to say to our wonderful audience of five listeners? My d- Okay, that'll be edited out. Uh, <laughs> Are you saying I'm lying? I mean, I Fake just, news. I, I, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Alright, that is a wrap. Everyone have a good night or morning or afternoon or or early morning. I don't know what you do with your life. Goodbye. Alright, and that's it for the show today. Um, if you would like to get in contact with Emmett Fifield for any rhyme or reason, you can find him at Twitter slash HoboCelluloid. Uh, if you enjoyed any of the music that was played in today's episode, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash hobo networks. And if you want to check out Constant Space, the feature film, you can find that on vimeo.com slash hobo film. Uh, again, thank you everyone for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.